My name is Andrew Bolton, and this is Pros and Content. I'm the Chief Client Officer here at Notch, and on the Pros and Content podcast, we'll be featuring a series of truly remarkable content leaders, people who believe in storytelling and all have a unique perspectives on the importance of measurement, scalability, and the optimization of content. Hello, welcome to the Pros and Content podcast, where we shine a light on how brands are using content to accelerate their success. I'm Andrew Bolton, the Chief Customer Officer here at Notch, and today I'm joined by Keith Barber, who is the Director of Digital Customer Experience at Tyson Food Service. Hello, Keith, and welcome to the Hi, show. Thanks for having me, Andrew. It's great to have you. Um, want to just jump right in. You know, most people have probably heard of Tyson in, in some capacity in their lives, but many may not know about the food service side of the business. Can you just provide some context for folks about uh, the food service business and some of the unique tat challenges that you face. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so as you mentioned, Tyson is is um, kind of multi layered. We, we everyone's familiar with the with the red oval that shows up on your chicken nuggets bag, right? But there's a whole other side of our business, uh, Tyson Food Service, that you allude to, and and we are really uh, in the business of supplying um, restaurants. Think McDonald's, think Wendy's, think. Um, other food service manu- or other food service uh, providers like your school districts, anybody who's who's preparing food and serving to the general public, um, we're, we're providing those products uh, through food service. They're a little unique because we sell through distribution, so we sell through the Cisco's, the U.S. Foods, and and um, sell indirectly to probably ninety percent of our customer base. Yeah, so similar almost to the like the alcohol model where they're going out through distributors and distributors are then selling, or they're going out through bars and bars are selling on their behalf, but they're not they're not selling alcohol directly. Absolutely, great great analogy. And you know, with that, you know, what challenges that you face as far as knowing your customer because you do have that intermediary between you and the the end user, and I'm sure that that's a lot of the complexity that you have when you're when you're trying to market to those people. Yeah, so so unlike typical CPG retail, where you know the WalMarts, the Krogers um, are, are sharing point of sale data back, you know, to the manufacturer through whether it's Nielsen or IRI, food uh, food service distributors don't share data back at all. Uh, it's it's a complete black box. Um, so we really set out um, with this mandate around how knowing that we can't get the data directly from from the distributor that that we're selling our product into, who in turn is 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 um, selling to the operator. How can we um, own the conversation with that food service customer? How can we influence their path to purchase so that when they do show up uh, at at, this, at Cisco's order site they're choosing tyson products over our competitors how did you how did you end up at tyson tell us a little bit about your own your own personal journey and how you how you uh have brought those that expertise to tyson yeah so (laughs) unconventional path for sure andrew um but but kind of an interesting journey and and in prepping for this this call you know i'm sitting down with Andrew Bolton, chief customer officer at Notch. We're pros and content, you know, we're probably going to talk about content. And I'm like, yeah, how did I end up here? Um, um, but, you know, I, I, I think I've always been a bit of a problem solver. Um, it, it's kind of core to who I am. I, in fact, uh, I, I started life out uh, in, in school as an engineer Um Three years into that, uh, I sat down with the dean of the engineering school, and and he said, Mr. Barber, you may indeed become an engineer. 
uh, but it won't be from this university. Uh, here, here's the business card to the dean of the business school. You've got a lot of math credits. You, you, you might want to pursue that avenue. So a year and a half later, I'm a finance major. Um, but, but that set up some really interesting things because I, I went into corporate finance and, and got attached to a lot of different functional areas of, of, of businesses. So, so I got a broad education in, in marketing and in, in supply chain and, and the, those experiences, you know, as you fast forward or you, whether you're fast forwarding or reflecting back, I'm not sure which it is. You start to see where where those shaped your decision making and, and your leadership style. Um, that finance degree also took me to Austin, Texas, uh, in the uh, mid to late nineties, uh, early two thousands, and and that was a, a point in time where the hip, cool thing to do was to become a dot com entrepreneur, get a little bit of seed money, throw dot com on the uh, end of any noun. And you were suddenly a, an e-com mogul. Um, so uh, did three different startups with, with three different groups. Uh, fantastic experience. None of us knew what we were doing. You know, I, I, I looked it up. In fact, uh, Amazon at the time was just debating whether to uh, move beyond selling books and considered selling music. Um, so that'll kind of place it in time where, where things were. But um so fast forward out of that, you know, uh, back into finance, spent time in product management, CPG, marketing, sales, strategy. I've just kind of always followed roles that I thought were interesting. And, and there wasn't a, I'd love to say that, that it was all very planful so that when I became director of digital mark, you know, digital customer experiences at Tyson Foods, I'd, I'd have this well-rounded resume. Um, but, you know, I've worn a lot of hats, done a ton of things from from startups to to you know my time at at Walmart, um, and also somewhere along the way became a pretty good storyteller. And so as I think about my role at Tyson and what I do and the work that I lead, um, you know that that's been critical. Um, so so you know to be a storyteller and be able to talk to the board or talk to a, an associate manager in marketing and why digital is important. Um, you know, that, that, that's, that's been a critical skill set, and, and I think the, the broad experience has really set me up for, for success in what I do now. Yeah. Now the, the title, you know, digital customer experience, was that a, a new job, a new job title, a new role, um, at Tyson when you arrived, did, did you come and then it was created after that? Like, talk about that because i think the idea of digital customer experience um you know is relatively new it's it's not a a common title you know yeah so uh i th i think i probably named myself when hr asked me for a label they needed to put on my role um you know i when i took this role or or at Tyson, we'd say I was voluntold for this role. Um, you know, I often, I've asked my leadership, did I, did I stand up at the wrong time? Or, you know, how, how did I get chosen for this, this job? I, I think, you know, I inherited a website and uh, a PIM tool uh, when I took this role and, and that mandate that, Hey, we want to, we want to own a conversation with operators and, and tell them all the, the great stuff that, that Tyson can you know, why they want to buy a Tyson product. Um, and very quickly realized that to do that, 
to own that message, to own that conversation, we, we were going to have to develop content that resonated with those customers. Um, and that content was going to really quickly, you know, become experiences or, or, or customer experiences. And, and so I think it just was kind of a logical, like, yeah, director of customer experience, that digital customer experience, that, that, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, I don't know that it was any more complicated than that, to be honest. Is like, how is your team structured then? Do you have people that kind of work in different disciplines, you know, within customer experience, or does it feel like customer experience is working as just like a one integrated like system? Like, yeah, talk, talk to me a little bit about how the team is structured. Yeah. So, so great question. Um, and, and it's, 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 we're continuing to evolve the model, but I think today we're, we're, we're pretty happy, or at least I'm pretty happy with how we're set up. We, we have functional experts that work within a technology. So, um, I've got a marketing automation manager. I've got a web manager. Uh, I've got a social manager. Um, so th- they're working in those technologies and they're, and they go deep in the technology and understand it. And then, Kind of across that, I have uh, a, a senior manager who um, manages digital strategy activation. So their role is to really bring it, it is to build out the journey map, build out the customer experience, and apply the right pieces of technology to the plan um, as as the journey map would would call for. Then I also have because because this is an evolution and we're continuing to to grow and evolve um, in terms of standardization and scale. I've got uh, a position, a BA that's focused really on digital strategy enablement. So they're continually looking forward as to what's next, what what business problem can we apply through the technology, um, and and, and it's, so it's a real forward looking um, position. That, that, that we leverage. And then we've got, you know, kind of in our map, if you can imagine the, the strategy enablement, strategy activation runs across the top. You've got your vertical tech, technical experts. And then we've got digital uh, analysts working in, in the analytics tool that underpin the, the foundation of that model. You kind of came to this role, it was about three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thereabouts. Like, how did you build up? I mean, that's just kind of an interesting task of like, hey, here's a here's a, a job that you named yourself. Um, and you said, OK, I, I, you know, what am I going to do? Like, how did you go about laying out that roadmap um, and, you know, setting achievable goals over time? Because I think that's one thing that, you know, whether you're a content team, a digital marketing team, is this ever evolving landscape where it's so hard to sit down at the beginning of any time frame and say, OK, this is where we want to be in six months. This is where we want to be in a year but also be able to adapt and change over time. So like, how do you tackle and approach, approach that? Yeah. So, so like I said, you know, when I, when I came into the role, I, I inherited a website and a PIM tool. And what's a, and what's a PIM tool just for, for people who might not be. Uh, I'm sorry, a product information management tool. Right. So that, you know, it, it, that's how sophisticated we were at the time. We knew we needed to have a website. We didn't really know why, but, but, but everyone else had one. So we had a website, which w- was a product catalog and then we were using uh, our, our product information management tool to aggregate uh, product content and syndicate it out to the Cisco's, the Walmart's, the U.S. Foods so that it shows up on their digital shelf. And that, that's what I inherited, along with this mandate to say, hey, we really need to influence that path to purchase with, with, the, the, with the customer that ultimately 
um, is generating pull demand through the distributor. The, the distributor will buy from Tyson where whatever is being demanded by their customer, how do you influence that demand, right, uh, from, from an economics perspective. Uh, I also inherited a history of failed attempts to stand up digital marketing capabilities at Tyson. Um, I was number four in, you know, digital marketing wasn't new. We'd been talking about it forever. Um, but, it, it, you know, I, I think as I, th- you know, as I, I remember going through all the documentation of people that, you know, leaders that had come before me and, and they'd all brought huge lofty price tags, right? Like, and everybody was trying to go from zero to a hundred miles an hour, uh, with, with a $20, 30000000 million price tag of, of technologies that, that they wanted to go stand up. And that, that was kind of the common thread. Like, so to your point, it was like, how do you build a plan that, that lets you crawl, walk, and then run instead of trying to, you know, get all the way to bright. Um, so so I, you know, I really think that history of failure probably was was my best friend at the time because it was it was that was the first piece of the roadmap that said, "Well, I don't want to do that." Yeah, you can point point to that and be like, "That's not <laughs> what we're going to do." <laughs> right. Um, but anyhow, so I, I you know, to, the roadmap really came out. I, I guess I spent the first six months just trying to get reacquainted with the space get smart. You know, it'd been almost 20 years since I'd been even sniffed anything around the digital marketing space. Um, so I, I think I was in Las Vegas three times in those first six months. Um, you know, gambling and drinking, your gambling and or, drinking, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, actually attending digital, uh, marketing conferences and, and yeah. really talking to anyone who would, would give me the time of day. And, you know, I guess the good news for me is I'm lucky enough to work for Tyson and, and vendors are, are more than happy to talk to Tyson. But but that's how it got started. And then so got smart about a lot of pieces of technology, if that makes any sense. Um, but but was quick enough to realize that I, I, I wasn't smart enough to necessarily know how to assemble those pieces or in what order to assemble those. Um, so we we went out on a path to go find a consulting partner, um, somebody that had done that, been there. Um, and, and then spent the next six months kind of doing this RFP dance with every, you know, I felt like every agency, every consultant, big, small, whatever, you know, um, but whether, you know, whether it was good or lucky, we, we found the right partner. Um, you know, I, I would say to anybody in your audience that, that is in that place right now where they're trying to find the right partner, you know, find someone that can listen to you and understand your unique mission um, because I saw a ton of kind of uh, out of the box solutions from a lot of the bigs that that kind of had a wash, rinse, repeat approach, um, and and they were just going to apply a CPG formula to food service that that you know in hindsight, gosh, that would have been such a huge huge mistake and would have set us back, and 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 I'd be number five in the list of, of failed attempts to stand up digital marketing uh, at Tyson, but we found the right person. They really helped us build out the roadmap and, and a very comprehensive roadmap that considered tech, considered the people that it was going to re- be needed to run that tech. Um, also helped us build out the process and the, and the data maps to, to, to fuel it all. So, uh, we were able to lay that, that kind of that foundation in the very, very, you know, in that first year and, 
and really started to shape up how, you know, the how, how are we going to own the conversation um, that, that ultimately turned into to our strategy today. Yeah. And I mean, that's the, the segue to the next question is you started with, you know, very rudimentary things and not a whole lot. You know, what is it? What is the what does the platform look like today? Like what technologies, you know, what does the website look like? You know, how are you, you know, in essence, you know, owning the conversation? How are you bringing that to life uh, in, in present day? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll circle back to the website because it's 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 under I'm going to say it's under construction, we'll say. Um so the you know everyone's website is always under always under construction. Always yeah. under construction. It's my, like a bad renov. It's like a bad renovation, house renovation that never my, ends. My team laughs at me. I I, I don't know if any, if um, I'm old enough to remember that when your website was under construction, you had the little construction worker that would show up on this page under construction. Yeah. And I I often joke that we should have that guy on our homepage because that that's that's what I feel like we're doing. <laughs> um, you know the the first thing we did. Um, in year one, or what we call year zero around this whole, I guess year zero was the planning year, year one was the implementation year, but we introduced marketing automation. We knew that was going to be a huge piece uh, to owning the conversation and, and having a uh, ultimately a personalized conversation um, once we built a big enough audience base and, and uh, had the ability to segment that audience and, and really start delivering um, relevant conver- uh, relevant content to, to that to that audience. You know, there's there's no if I know you're a pizza operator, um, I, I probably don't need to talk to you about uh, our breaded beef. Um, probably a lot smarter to talk to you about our pepperoni and our pizza crusts and and all those the great things that would help you run your business better. So we introduced marketing automation. We underpinned everything with uh, Adobe Analytics. Um, so that we could have more robust analytics and really get to one-to-one attribution. Um, you know, up to that time, I, I think there were two of us that knew how to use the free version of Google Analytics, and, and we weren't you know, <laughs> we were weren't getting a lot of robust uh, data to inform the next step forward. Um, we, we brought in uh, new SEO and, and, and started getting smart about uh, SEO, um, and then. We brought in Telium as our as our tag management tool, so that we had a, a consistent uh, tag layer across the entire ecosystem. So, so that was year year one in terms of technology. Um, last year, we introduced social management, social listening, um, uh, a, a, a great tool there. And this year, we're replatforming our website, moving off of our old CMS platform, which was. Uh, clunky took a ton of backend IT support um, and developers. If I, if I wanted to move an image from the left side to the right side, it was a hundred twenty thousand dollar project in, a, in an eight week four sprint, you know, uh, approach to it. So, really uh, spent some time trying to find the right CMS uh, content management solution uh, tool to to put more power in the marketer's hands uh, and more control over the site. Um, along with some great workflow process. And we're huge on process at Tyson. You know, we, we're a big company and every, everybody's got to check the box and uh, get their get their approvals in. So had to find the right solution there. That makes sense. Um, and then, you know, to the, the crux of the podcast, you know, content. Um, some people are probably saying, like, what kind of content is food service going to make? And, like, what's going to resonate with people? And, you know, 
can't how can you do storytelling? So talk to us a little bit about the content strategy and how you know content gets injected into those different technologies to 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 reach the uh, you know, different audiences. Yeah, so um, we are uh, traditionally Tyson Food Service has screamed product and brand kind of into the digital void. Like, um, so the the first change people start to see is is our approach to content and and really trying to look through the lens of the customer as to what they care about. Um, not what my brand manager partner cares about, which is punch you in the face with product brand, product brand. Um, what we, what our customers want from Tyson is solutions and not, not necessarily the solution of another recipe, but most of the, especially when you think about the small business, the restaurants, the, the, that are buying through distribution, um, they got into the food business because uh, they, they they make great barbecue and their friends told them they should have a restaurant. Um, they didn't get into the business because they're great business operators. Um, and, and Tyson has the voice and, and the this, this scale and size that we can bring a lot of expertise to the space and present solutions, whether they be how to deal with uh, wage uh, shortages in, in California to... Um, how to, how to, how to manage through a pandemic and, and convert your business from a sit in, dine, dine in establishment to a curbside pickup. There's a ton of solution oriented content that we can bring that, that our audience says they want to hear and they want to hear it from, from Tyson. So, so that's, that's really when, when we talk content, it's moving from this notion of, um, I'm just going to keep shoving, shoving product in your face until, you know, and that's just a numbers game. Like if I put it in front of a thousand people, maybe it resonates with one person to, Hey, here's a solution. And here's, here's how, um, Tyson's thinking about this, this industry problem and, and some potential solutions that we can help with. Um, so I, I'd say that's, that's first and foremost. I think the other thing that we're really spending a lot of thought energy on right now is, also in this area of um, can content be at the center of a community and a conversation? Um, you know, I think traditionally we always thought of this as a very competitive industry. And and if I'm running a restaurant next door to you, Andrew, um, I, I don't want to I don't want to talk to you about what I'm doing because you might start doing it better than me. And, and then all my patrons are going to leave my restaurant and go to yours. But when you when you take that to scale, what you find is that if I'm running an establishment in Seattle, Washington, I'm really interested in what you're doing in Miami, Florida, because we don't directly compete, but we're facing some of the same problems. So so we're really, um, you know, not only do we want to own the conversation, but but we think there's an opportunity for us to foster a community um, through through great content and and. Um, and shared experience. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole, you know, like a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, I, I heard an interesting stat once that if there's a Home Depot or a Lowe's, uh, you know, in a town and then another in a Lowe's or a Home Depot opens up across the street from it. So you've got one of each. Actually, the sales go up versus the sales go down. It's this 
unique effect that you almost get more people shopping because there's more sh- more choice. And I, I could see that almost happening with in, in the restaurant, and the food service business as well. You know, if you get more people out eating good food, just are they're going to go to another place, and another place and so on. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I, I think, you know, the one thing um, we, we, we talk about a lot at Tyson is uh, and especially coming out of out of covid. Right. Like covid wrecked the, the food service uh, space for for a good six months because nobody nobody was ready to, to move their business model. Um, it, so the, the industry had to had to pivot really quick. Um, the great news is the industry pivoted, um, you know, while there have been casualties, I'd say by and large, the industry's back, um, and doing, doing quite well. But, um, you know, in in our industry, we will, we'll tongue in cheek talk about COVID didn't teach anybody to cook. Um, so, so there's, you know, the, that demand's still there. Except for sourdough bread. They can bake. They can bake. <laughs> you know, everybody got a hobby, right? Everybody picked up a new hobby coming out. Yep. And it's an interesting point from a content perspective. You know, how did you approach content during COVID? And, and has it made any lasting changes to just content strategy, you know, coming, you know, quote unquote, out of the pandemic or out of the, the really dark times? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we dabbled through agency partners um, producing a newsletter pre-pandemic. Um, and I I think at one time I looked at it and we had like 300 subscribers. I mean, like, you know, it's a, it's a universe of 1.3 million operators out there and, and we had 300 subscribers, right? Like during uh, the early days of COVID, though, I mean, people were literally calling into our customer service line saying, you know, with questions, um, you know, do we have product that, that, uh, with, you know, they, they wanted, they were asking questions about holdover times on foods and individually wrapped products. And, and do we have any advice on how to convert their, you know, to a curbside dining? And, and did we know anything about, uh, Rhode Island state law as it, as it pertained to, to, um, uh, food service outside the establishment and delivery. And, um, so, so we amped up our newsletter and said, this is, this is the right time for Tyson to, to step up and start, start the conversation. Um, and, and, you know, we, we probably, let's see. Oh, t- uh, we, we grew subscription to, I, I think we're at 30,000 now or something like something crazy like that. Right. But it really gave us a high degree of confidence that the strategy we had started to pursue that was really based on this idea that customers want to hear and expect to hear from Tyson, it, it, it cemented that that was, that was reality um, and, and gave us a ton of confidence that, that we, can, we can own the conversation. We, we, we can influence. Uh, we may not... I don't know. It may be too soon to tell because we're still trying to get to lifetime value. But yeah, so I, I don't know that we're influencing completely the path to purchase. But we we at least are expected to, to have a voice in the conversation with the operator, and and they want to hear from us. So I, I think that was the key learning for me coming out of that. Yeah, the uh, the comment around the customer service uh, line is interesting because it's just basically it's an insight line for for you as far as okay what do we need to be talking about um it's the same way that people look at seo in a way like well what are people searching for except you have 
in-house, you know, first party data of, hey, people are calling and asking us X, you know, that there is a need there. Now we need to service that need. Um, I mean, yeah, I, we, we've got uh, Michelle. Michelle's my best friend. She's what we call our food service concierge. <laughs> shout, out, shout, out, shout out to Michelle. <laughs> and, and, and I can go down to Michelle and say, Michelle, what are, what are people calling in about this week? And usually it's the same top three things, but every now and then there's a, there's a nugget in there, you know, she's, especially during COVID, she, she'd always have something like, you know, I'm getting a ton of requests about, um, well, what what are some of the, some of the things we, we've spoken, we talked about, um, what, what is an acceptable delivery time? What should I expect? Because all of a sudden you had all these operators that had had avoided the grub hubs, had avoided yeah. the bite squads that weren't going down there. And now it was taking 45, 50 minutes for their customers to get the food delivered. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know whether to be mad or not at Grubhub. Yeah. You know, and so they, they're calling Tyson, say, like almost as a third party, like like Switzerland, right? Yeah, like, right. Is this what I should expect, or is this? And, and so, so you know, we ran an we ran an, you know a whole piece of long form content on on how how to you know partner with with the grub hubs uh, in the delivery services and how that delivery service model worked. So yeah, I I use that uh, that that probably drives I would I would doesn't drive half our content, but it, it drives a, a a portion of it for sure. Yeah, for sure. What about um content format. So you mentioned long form article, like have you, you know, bridged into video or infographics or, you know, audio podcasts? I mean, like what, what is the, what do the formats look like? Uh, we, we were, you know, if I'm, if I'm hundred percent honest, we, we are, uh, in the exploration stage. We're, we're trying everything right now. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, we, we just, we found some traction in, People love to hear from our corporate chefs and it can, it can, um, it, it brings bo- what I call boring recipe content to life. When the chef is showcasing an ingredient within a recipe. Um, and, and so it, we, we've done, um, we've probably done a half a dozen of these shot on an iPhone. Um, but they're authentic. They're not, you know, you typically expect this really high polished, um, piece that comes out of Tyson. And so when we can get a little grittier, a little more authentic, our customers love it. Yeah. And I think that that's one of the amazing things that happened, you know, because of the pandemic is because production value fell out of necessity during the pandemic, especially when everyone was inside and having to use iPhones and having to kind of like use Zoom and things like that. And you saw even on like you know, the morning shows where you had, you know, anchors that are calling in from their living room with like bad lighting and a, you know, a dog in the background. I I think it helped everyone realize that that's actually content that resonates better with, with audiences sometimes. Like you, you know, you don't have to have the super high polished production value all the time. There's still a right place and time, you know, time and place for it. Um, But sometimes scrappy, fast, um, doing something on a short timeline so it seems very you know highly relevant um, can be way more impactful than the big you know overproduced you know you know video asset. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like that's something, and I, I think there's a blend, right? Like like there there's still if if I'm going to position Tyson in our and do a positioning piece on sustainability and and you know why it matters and how we're 
how we're meeting that need um, globally. That's probably a high polished piece, right? Like like me, me on my iPhone filming a chicken, probably in its you know uh, free range uh, space, probably isn't going to resonate as well as, as as a corporate piece done. Um, but like I say, the, the chef video or something that you, um, anytime we can create a piece of content that that's a bit unexpected, um, or a fresh take, uh, we're, we're super excited about it. Um, so, and you'd ask, you know, so a video, definitely a big part of it. And you, you'll see a big part of that, um, be pushed out socially here in the coming weeks now, um, as, as we roll into the new year, um, Another big piece for us is experiences. So we, we've partnered with um, oh, a company called Jebit. I don't know if that, they, they, free, free shout out to Jebit, but, but they create these digital experiences. They're, they're more um, quiz-like in nature, but, but we've run a, a couple. The most recent one was like, what's your chef personality, right? Like, are you more Ann Burrell or are you more Bobby Flay? And, and you go through this series of, 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 of just, it's, it's more entertainment. It's more lighthearted, but it, again, it's an unexpected moment from Tyson, uh, food service that, you know, uh, we're really trying hard to kind of move away from stuffy corporate blue, logo, you know, um, and, and have some fun with our customers. Cause, because that, you know, if, if we listen to our customers, that's what, that's what they want. They, you know, they, they, they want, they want yeah. to in, enjoy their experiences. Very few, few, few people want to wear a suit and tie a hundred percent of the time, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's, it's good to catch them on the, on the weekend sometimes. Um, as far as the future goes, you know, not giving away any, any state secrets or, or things that you're working on. Like, are there any trends right now that you think are under the radar or are not receiving uh, the attention that they deserve that you think are going to be, you know, really kind of taking off in the in the new year? Yeah. So uh, at the risk of kind of geeking out about the food service space here, for it. Um, you know, I think third party marketplaces that f- figure out how to manage cold chain are are they're super interesting to me because you, you think about what Amazon did and as a third party marketplace and, and they're fantastic at, at aggregating demand, aggregating supply and optimizing price for the consumer in the end. Right. Like, like whether it's Amazon that comes into our space and says, Hey, we've figured out cold chain, you know, that, that, that's been the can last you, can piece. You, can that you describe what cold chain is just for, for people who might not. Yeah. So, so if you, if you think about, uh, we're in the protein business, we sell meat, right? Poultry, pork, beef. Um, most people don't like that to show up at their door, uh, thought out. Right. Uh, it's, it's not a great customer experience. Um, so, so the the one big value driver that a Cisco or a U.S. Foods has is they've got end to end refrigeration from the time the product is manufactured, whether it's a frozen product or a refrigerated product. Mm-hmm. That cold chain stays intact all the way through warehouse and, and ultimately to delivery at your back door. Mm-hmm. Um, Amazon has experimented. Amazon Fresh they've experimented with how do you get fresh product to to consumers, uh, done that somewhat to, for operators, but not at scale right now. So, and it's terribly inefficient to, to, uh, ship everything in boxes and on dry ice and, and certainly in the quantities that a restaurant would need it. Right. Yeah. 
but but somebody I'm convinced somebody's going to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, and and so that that sets up this whole thing about if if somebody can disrupt the industry through a marketplace that allows the the operator to always get the best price, agnostic of the distributor, um, pool those orders together for the manufacturer and the distributor to essentially bid against, and then use use the distributor for final mile delivery and, and keep the cold chain intact. I think that's going to happen, and I think that's going to be the the unlock to the data. And all of a sudden, we're all going to have wide open availability to the data across the entire ecosystem and who's in position to to activate that data, interpret it, find the white space opportunities. It's just going it, to, it, our, our, there's going to be this huge race around upsell, cross-sell. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty... And again, I told you I was going to geek out on this. I, I think it's pro- I think it's probably the big unlock in the food service space, and, and probably in fresh grocery as well hmm. on the how, retail side. How do you think that increase in in data uh, impacts your mandate from a digital customer experience perspective, and that idea of owning the the, the conversation? Like, how would that sort of a, a seismic shift impact you know the way you look at things? Yeah, I think I think it's the final kind of unlock around customer lifetime value. Mm. Um, you know, uh, when when I'm asked what success looks like, ultimately it's that I can tell you that a new pizza operator is worth seven dollars and ninety two cents to Tyson. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can help my marketers inform their next be, you know best alternative or how to how to where to where to place their chips um, as they continue that conversation with the customer. Because it may may prove out that um, you know fast casual chicken houses aren't nearly as profitable a business to Tyson as as pizza operators operating in in the southeast U.S. Like like that that's the kind of granularity we want to get to, and and I think that's what the data unlocks. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. I mean, if you look at the the business model where there is an intermediary that is a kind of a data suck black hole where it, it it's you know you've got that separation between you know the producer and in and the people that are, are the consumers at the end of the day whether it's b2b b2c b2b to b2c whatever your your acronym is it you know those are the things that have been shown through like direct to consumer and uh you know amazon who's more open about the you know the data to a certain extent because they know that it, it helps on both sides that's you know a disruptor across the board so i could see how you know, this would impact your industry significantly. Yeah, I, I, I think it will. And, and uh, as you were describing the B2Bs and the B2Cs, I, I got a new one the other day. I was told that I'm in the B, capital B to capital B to little B business. Yep, that makes sense. <laughs> I had to think about it for a minute. I was like, it's, it's getting to be a lot of Bs, but but I get it. Yep. Better better than an alcohol distributor, which I think has two more little Bs yeah, on it. Yeah, I think so. And then some more regulation to, to, to throw yeah, in and make yeah. things a little more complex. Um, great. Well, well, Keith, this has been a, a fun conversation. Um, I've learned a lot about food service that I didn't know, um, and I, hopefully the audience has um, as well. And then specifically about you know how do you control uh, customer experience um, when you've got that intermediary and some of the ways that you think about it. So really appreciate you uh, uh, sharing your experience and, uh, and insights with us today. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. 
for listening to Pros and Content. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Keith Barber, Director of Digital Customer Experience at Tyson. I liked when Keith said that their customers are coming to Tyson looking for solutions that are tangentially related to their product and how they pivoted their content strategy to be value-led instead of brand recognition. What did you think? Let us know on LinkedIn or Twitter using the hashtag pros and content. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, send a note to hello at notch.com. That's K-N-O-T-C-H. And tune in next time. This episode was edited by Douglas Ray and produced by Ellen Schwartz and Andrew Bolton. 